Hello, Acaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Talk Appella. I am one half of your host, Brian Alexander. Joining me is... Me! <laughs> I'm John! You know, That's me! Get, I feel like every single episode, we get a little bit closer, but then I'm just like, maybe we're moving more away, so it's... It's we're really we're really not improving at all. As a teacher, you know, you measure your students' achievement levels. If anything, yeah. I've been declining, and I'm in need of an intervention about my about my um, meeting my learning targets. Right I was going to say, it's, John, it's I'm like, bad, sounds like you need lie. some like after school tutoring or you know some extra help. I I do with with this in regards to us coordinating it. It's also just really fun to try and do something different each week. It makes it starts us out on like kind of a. And, and often, I know, I know. It, we need that element, and it, it feels good to have something like that. Uh, today is also a very special day, though. John, do you do you remember why today is a very big day for us? Wait. Oh, oh, I thought. Okay, I okay. So last <laughs> time when I said like it was a big day, it was because it was National mm-hmm. Cereal Day, and you and so I was thinking like, wait, is it a National Something Day? And no, this is the first episode after we have launched Yay. on iTunes. We are on iTunes. I keep saying it's all 75 hours, but actually it's 74. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I lost episode <laughs> five. There's, I call it the lost episode. There's nothing unique about like how it was lost. I just lost it. Um, but 74 hours of Tacapella is on iTunes officially today. Um, it'll have been up for a bit by the time this episode airs. But Brian and I are super excited because we've been trying to make this happen for a long time. It and it finally did, happened. Man, and it feels so good to go back and listen to all those early episodes of John and, you know, time before I was here. Oh, without yeah. without you. The early ones without, mm, I, I mean, they're good. They're, uh, there's The guests are great. Sometimes I'm just like, man, you're way too excited to be talking into a microphone in a basement right now. Just like John, past John, just take it down one notch. You're fine. Um, but it's also a special day because we have Emily Gaiman from, you guessed it, Colorado State University on the show today. Emily, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Doing wonderful. I'm doing great. I had Chipotle beforehand Ooh. and not noodles because usually I have noodles. Tried Chipotle this time. Um, might might be switching back to doing the noodles as the pre-show meal. I'm not sure because I'm. That's, it, I think that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what the audience has come to expect at this yeah. point. Yeah, huh? I'd be. I mean, I'd be curious if anyone actually pays attention to this whole noodles thing that we've been going through. Tweet us at Tacapella because we have a Twitter now. We're going to plug that more later. Um, Emily, so you are a part of the group. Basic spelled B A S S I C at Colorado State University. I know a bunch about it. I know a bunch about CSU and the acapella scene there. But can you tell us a little bit about singing and your acapella journey to start off the episode? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. So, like every small town girl that's ever sung in their lives, I started singing at church. Mm. Of course, not original. <laughs> But yeah, I started singing in choir in elementary and middle school and all that. But we never really did anything like anything like acapella until I got to high school. And we didn't have any sort of traditional like pop acapella group. But I remember getting into our audition choir and we did um, She Will Be Loved by Maroon 5. And I was like, oh, my God. Songs about Jane. In choir. Like I was like, the choir police are going to show up and arrest us. Like, this is not okay. (laughs) And then I joined one of our other audition groups and it, it wasn't like a show choir, but it was the closest thing we had. And so we would do this weird conglomeration of really, really intense choral music and then also Michael Bublé. So it was a very strange group to be in. 
I had a good time. And then I got to CSU, I study music and I got, I love classical music, but I got kind of sick of only doing that all day. And I knew some people who were in basics. So I auditioned and got in and it's been really fun to be able to do some like high level, musically challenging pop music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Emily, I feel like you had a, a, a very similar experience to, I, th- I feel like a lot of other uh, acapella yeah. people where they st- who start off in choir because just like someone brings in that pop piece. I remember us, we were in like kind of like a little small jazz ensemble thing and we did like a cover of like yesterday or something like that we're like wait a minute uh who approved this are we supposed (laughs) to do this is this a mistake today what is going on i think though that says a lot though about how the choral experience is framed for like up-and-coming singers when people are just getting into it this sense of the repertoire almost being like restricted and mm-hmm. feeling like it's not it's not just like oh we just don't do that it's almost like it's not allowed because i mean both of you just hit on that and i think that's something that's important for both like acapella people and choral directors and it's getting better to like deconstruct a bit because i think that's gonna i mean now i just feel like i'm trying to recruit kids to choir which i'm always <laughs> trying to do but uh i think that's gonna open it up quite a bit more that's gonna open up different learning styles and different ways of making music but also it's gonna create a much more healthy relationship between the choral side and acapella. And that's something I really kind of, you know, the classical choral side and contemporary acapella. And Emily, that's one of the things I wanted to touch on today because you are a vocal performance major. You're like tried and true doing all that stuff, doing the opera. And that's what I did as well. As you know, we went to school together and I'm, I'm really curious from your perspective. And this is something we've touched on a bit before on this show, but not so much from the like soloist classical perspective of as a classical singer, you kind of talked about feeling antsy only doing classical music. Can you dive a little bit more into your experience with that or just kind of your thoughts on the whole thing? Because I felt similarly, but I'm curious about as someone who is in such almost like a regimented like performing schedule and practice schedule, what was being in an acapella group like for you and your thoughts on that kind of dichotomy as a whole? Yeah, I mean, so for me, the biggest transition was like going to college. And I was originally music therapy. And when I realized that wasn't for me, and I switched to performance, I realized super, super quickly, that all of a sudden, like singing opera, which had been a hobby became my job. Like that was how I was, you know, I'm earning money that way. This is like what I have to put most of my time into. And music had been kind of a coping mechanism for me. And now it was like my main stressor. And so I kind of had to go into like finding something, some way that I could still do music that wasn't like upsetting and stressful, which as much as I love opera, it is my job. And sometimes it does get upsetting and stressful. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I'm like, this is such an interesting take when you're you're talking about, you know, the whole balance between finding something that's a passion and a hobby versus something that's kind of a stress, stress relieving. And and, and for you, and I, I know John knows a lot more about your background than me, but I'm just curious, um, just going into acapella, being someone who I get, I know you had your experiences with it in high school, but actually once you dived into the big, the collegiate space, which is a little bit different, you know, was there any kind of clash between your priorities and the way you would approach acapella music versus the classical piece, uh, the classical side of music? Because I'm just always curious because I, I remember having a few people in our group who were very deep into the music program at our school. And, you know, I could tell so much that they wanted to blend the two together. But there was so much that, you know, it was such a struggle balance, a little bit of a power balance on how do I bring what I'm doing outside of this into this kind of slightly different world, but worlds that can kind of coexist. Is Was there any kind of 
I guess, battle for you between those two worlds? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, the two big things, one of them was just rehearsals. So I am very used to like, I'm in one of the audition choirs at CSU and I'm used to very like intense rehearsal styles. Like we are very focused the entire time. We're always working and like acapella is a little more relaxed, which is good. It's a really good thing. But I was very much not used to that and would get, especially in the beginning, very, very impatient during rehearsals. Mm. I was like, we could be done with the song, moving on to another one. But here we are, you know, we're going a little slower. And the other thing is like not everyone in there is studying to be a professional musician. So we do kind of have to go slower. One of our bases, he's very, very good. And I remember when he started, he didn't really like have a lot of experience reading sheet music and things like that. So, you know, we kind of have to go slower, which was a lesson for me in patience, for sure. Yeah. And with someone with your experience, do you initially when you come across those moments, is it in you at all to be like, okay, this is where I have to kind of step up and take charge? Or do you kind of like to fall back and just be like, well, this is just something that the music director is going to do? Or, you know, where where do you see your role coming to play when you start working with musicians who are on different skill levels from you? Well, I think my instinct is to always try and do something about it. I mean, John will tell you I'm a pretty loud and opinionated person. So I <laughs> don't really. In a bad way. Yeah. That's why I knew you'd be good to come on the show. It's like, okay, Emily can talk. <laughs> yep. I, like I said, I will run my mouth about anything. But, you know, I think for me, the kind of exciting part about that is that I do get to like help people learn how to do this and they don't really know. And I've been taking pedagogy courses. I took a graduate level pedagogy class last semester. So it's really exciting to be like, I have all this knowledge and now I get to give it to people, which is super cool. And I know that at least from what I've been told, you know, they also appreciate that being able to like learn and grow. And I think it makes it better. Definitely. I think that's not an uncommon situation in a lot of acapella groups because by their kind of nature, they're very eclectic. There are people who who have been taking voice lessons or can read the music. You all, you generally pretty much always need someone like that in the group. Generally, the more of them, the more like kind of on the spectrum of chill, super relaxed versus choral rehearsal. You will be more on the choral rehearsal side, but you'll still get work done. So you see a lot of these learning styles and opinions on how to make music and learn music and teach music kind of coalesce and come together. And I think that's what's one of the most fun parts about acapella is that I can come in knowing exactly like here's the chord progression of this piece, but there might be someone because of how they have learned music or because of just how they have kind of interacted with music up to that point in their lives. There's probably some things that they can do better than me just because of like, I'm my tonal memory is okay. Like I, I learn things visually. So like aural stuffs and can sometimes be not my best. So, cause I always like to look at stuff. Whereas there were people in mountain horns who could just like hear something once and sing it back immediately. And I think that's super valuable for us. We can go in and it's really easy for classical people to go in and be like, I know how all this works and I'm gonna tell you what to do. Whereas there's usually something you can learn from someone else there that's not in the kind of uh, classical diet. And I think that's good, Emily, that you recognize that like you're not there to like boss people around or tell them you're not as experienced as me, so you're wrong. You're there to help guide them with the knowledge you have so they can perform at their best level for the sake of the whole group. Right, and I think it becomes too, it's kind of like that, stop and smell the roses thing for me because I tend to just like barrel through music and not really think about it and not really have fun with it sometimes because I'm just like great it's learned moving on and it's kind of cool Mm -hmm. that I have to like slow down and actually kind of like enjoy it more it forces me to have fun in a way okay maybe this is a bit of a controversial question I mean it's it's not but (laughs) maybe it is 
as someone who did the vocal performance major in undergrad, I also did like the choral stuff. Um, I did music ed and vocal performance in undergrad and being kind of in that life is very intense. You are so defined by something that is uniquely you that sometimes, which can be super fulfilling as we know, but other times can be very draining emotionally and sometimes really, really hard. Cause when you go up, it's not like, Oh, I, and you fail like a recital or something. It's not like, Oh, I didn't do well on that test. It's, Oh, I myself am not good or something right. like that. That's those are kind of the low points vocal performance people can find them themselves in sometimes. I've been there, I've been on the opposite side. We've seen everyone kind of go in those highs and lows. And I'm wondering, do you think there is anything inherent to kind of the vocal performance or just the kind of classical music major that makes people want to do a cappella or something or the kind of role that a cappella can fulfill for those people? Because like when I was in doing I like you said you kind of saw acapella as a way to do music without there being like a great attached to it or there or like kind of low stakes so you were having fun doing it I guess I'm wondering do you think there's a correlation kind of between people trying to move into acapella and the vocal performance major and and what is the role that like acapella can play for people who are in the vocal performance major and is that a good thing well, I think one thing it teaches is versatility. Like that's a really important thing that we don't talk about a lot in performance anymore, but it's so true. Like I know talking to my professors who are obviously older than me that, you know, for a really long time, the way that you performed classically was you graduated school and you hired an agent and they got you gigs. And obviously it was like a little more complicated than that, but in general, that's how it worked. And now it's like, you graduate school and you have to do a lot of other things and you maybe have to take whatever gigs come your way and they're not always classical gigs. You know, some of my younger professors have done musical theater. They've done pop things. They do, they sing at weddings. And so being able to sing different kinds of genres of music is really, really important if you want to have a stable career as a performer. What about kind of the, as weird as it sounds like, kind of the emotional journey that vocal performance can kind of take you on those highs and lows that I just talked about. What does acapella, how does acapella relate to those? It makes you more of a team player. Like that's one of the things that I think I struggled with the most is that, you know, when you're doing vocal performance, a lot of times you're just doing your own thing. And even if you have a role in a show and like the other leads aren't pulling their way, it like doesn't really matter because you're like, I know my part, so I'm fine. Like it doesn't matter because I'm going to sound good. And it forces you to like, I think have more of a sense of camaraderie and less competition with the other people around you, which feels so much better because it's, it's a miserable feeling to be in a show and know that all of the other people hate you. And like, that hasn't happened to me at CSU, but it's happened to me before. And that's not a fun feeling and it's draining. And then you don't want to go to rehearsal and you don't want to sing and you don't want to do anything. Yeah. And I'm cur- curious from just because I'm naturally curious about the, the whole vocal performance major. How much of interaction do you have with other students? Because I know that at least for some of the, the members of my past groups who were vocal studies majors of some sort, they I know that they met with their professors that help them sing and that they're they're singing coaches and all those different people but what are the classes like for that are those are you interacting a lot with other people throughout this major or is it a lot more solo focused you know the classes are small like that is the thing because I think a lot of my classes right now have maximum 10 to 15 people in them other than my like gen ed classes Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more like personal one-on-one kind of interaction. And again, it's very like individually focused. There, Other than choir, I would say there isn't a lot of like, quote unquote, team playing. And it's not necessarily a fault in any of like the class structure. You just don't really encounter a lot of situations where you like have to work with other people because 
so many of these classes are like performance oriented, you know, like you have to go in and like write all the IPA from the pieces you're doing that semester. And like, you don't really like, you don't get together with your friends and do that because you don't all have the same rep. You're all singing different things. Mm, okay. And so a lot of yeah. them are very like, you're doing the same things, but with your own set of rep and your own voice and like everyone's so unique. So it all applies to you differently, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with everything uh, Emily just said. If there was classwork, like I would often do it with my vocal performance friends, like for our diction class, but it it can be a bit of a lonely major. And that's why I think acapella is, it, it serves a slightly different role than choir because you can just say, yeah, well, I'm a vocal performance major and I'm a little lonely sometimes, but I see my friends in choir. But acapella, I think, is also a place where um, we can kind of, stretch our, not stretch our legs, stretch our wings a little bit more and use these skills that we've been building, musicianship, kind of not necessarily directing, but just kind of being a leader in a way that we just necessarily can't in, if we're in a choral ensemble, unless, you know, we're directing the choral ensemble where in that case, it's a totally different idea. But acapella is, again, because of the eclectic nature, is a place where it is easier for student leaders to emerge and then actually have an impact on the direction of the ensemble. So I super, I found... Like kind of um, Emily said, acapella, acapella was almost like a low risks or low stakes area where I could grow as a performer and an educator, but also served as a, as, as also Emily said, kind of like a really nice escape from the drilling and the long practice room sessions where you're just sitting in there trying to memorize your IPA and learn all your translations and your rep. And I feel like that's something that's not uncommon, Emily, where someone who is a vocal performance major feels like acapella is an escape for them from the, from the grueling kind of in the trenches feeling you sometimes get as a vocal performance major. What do you think? Yeah. I think that it's really, really important because when everyone starts as a performance major, I don't think any of us are ready for the amount of work that it is, right? Because you're in high school and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm the best singer ever because I'm the best person in my department or I'm the second best person in my department. And then you go to college and you're in a room full of people who are all the best at their high school. And you're like, oh my God, I suck. And like, <laughs> it, it becomes so draining because of that, because you're not ready for the amount of work you have to do. Because at least for me, I kind of coasted through high school. I don't think I ever practiced anything outside of rehearsals for groups because I didn't need to. It was just easy enough for me. And then I got to college and I was like, oh my gosh, my personal rep is really hard. Oh my gosh, my chamber choir rep is really hard. And not to say that like acapella isn't challenging within its own right, but it became that kind of, like I said, kind of like a release, something that wasn't so like stressful. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get kicked out of this group if I like don't have this melisma perfect by rehearsal today. Or like my coach <laughs> is scream at me if I don't have this ready. You know what I mean? Like it's more of like, yeah, there's more leeway to like maybe not have a good day. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's where I see a lot of the contrast for a lot of different groups because yeah, what you're saying is on one hand you can be in one of those groups like so stress-free people are very chill people are here to really enjoy the music and you know not to be in a very super competitive environment or on the other hand you could wind up in a group who's you know very icca focused and like okay we're coming in from day one focusing on this stuff and i i think that's what makes the whole acapella dynamic such a interesting yet cool one because there is so much out there for what you want and what you can make the group and as john was saying you know this is kind of where the leaders step up and really help to shape the group is and you know make it into what they are at the end of the day so it's it's 
interesting because I remember that same thing. I thought in high school that I'm like, I remember a few, you know, mostly talented singers, you know, and then I remember I got to college and like everyone was coming out of the woodwork. So like, what? You can harmonize? Man, do you know how long I've been waiting for other people who can harmonize and do all these other cool stuff? And Your environment totally changes. And then Mm -hmm. it's not just, it's not just your environment changes, your understanding of yourself within that environment the context changes so then acapella is almost like this really fun kind of x factor that's thrown in where you're getting people in that mix with different ability levels and different ideas about how to lead a group and i think that what again that eclectic nature makes it so fun and i think it draws in so many people i mean we could easily be talking to like one of my friends who was like a science major at CSU and acapella was that same kind of outlet for him, even though he wasn't practicing singing every single day, like a vocal performance major person is that eclectic nature, the low stakes of generally, again, not and probably not if you're in an ICCA group, um, but those low stakes, the eclectic nature and just the communal aspect, I think makes it an escape for a lot of people in a lot of different majors that I, th- I think it's important. We kind of like praise the art form for that and praise the communities that try to make those a healthy space. I know sometimes for me, Mount Horns was stressful because I was directing it and doing everything, but it still was an escape for me because I didn't have to worry nearly as much about just, it was a place for me to explore what kind of music educator I wanted to be. And that was ridiculously valuable. And I think it's a place for a lot of people to explore what kind of singer and kind of person they want to be. It's, hey, we like acapella and it's <laughs> it's showing right now. Yeah. Uh, we actually got to take a quick break. We're going to pass it on over to Amanda Tran with Notable Coverage. Just a reminder, we're looking for more segment hosts. We have Amanda and Lisa who are doing great, but we'd like to give them a break sometimes and get some more voices in here. So hit us up if you're interested in being a segment host at tacapella at acaville.org. And we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and every week on Notable Coverage, I talk about a different song that has been done numerous, numerous times in the acapella world and kind of break down why that may be. For episode 24, we are talking about Bottom of the River by Delta Ray, not to be confused by River by Bishop Briggs, which I definitely talked about in a previous episode. Um, Bottom of the River is by this awesome band, Delta Ray, kind of Americana rock, soulful, really awesome. Definitely check them out if you only know this song. Bottom of the River has been in sets since the release of this song, and I honestly have gotten really tired of it. Even this past acapella competition season, I'm not going to name any groups, not even going to say if it was a high school or college group, I heard the song in their set and yes although it is very impressive and sounds really cool and is very intense and is easily a song that you can show emotion and power in it's very predictable so if i'm in the audience or judging and i hear this song i'm automatically turned off just because it has been completely overdone um the reason why i believe this song has been done so many times is that right when you listen to the original version it starts out completely acapella any songs that have any acapella components in them, I feel like arrangers and acapella groups are automatically like, oh my God, we need to do this song. And I definitely guilty of that. And I still do that, but still there's no excuse. You should try to make it your own in any way that you can. Along with that, um, the melody in this tune is super memorable, relatively easy. And the harmonies are 
they just sound great, even though they're predictable harmonies, they just sound amazing. Um, and there's also an aspect of gang vocals, which is also a really cool and fun aspect and powerful moment in a live set, I believe. The solo in this song, Bueno of the River, is very soulful. And if you are able to pull it off, it's a super impressive solo because the range is really big. You have to have certain intensity and tenacity to sing it. Just also the ability to emote that much emotion in the solo as well. The backgrounds of the song are super percussive. Um, there's like a lot of sound effects like chains, a lot of like really cool, intense drumming sounds, which definitely translates into stomping and clomping that you can, a lot of groups have incorporated into their set, which is really cool because for so long, I feel like vocal percussion or just percussion of the rhythm section in general has been limited to vocal percussion, but a lot of groups that are able to add in aspects of body percussion, all that kind of stuff, it's been really cool and unique. And this song definitely calls for that. It's kind of just already built in. I think that's a lot, reason, big reason why a lot of the groups are doing this song. And on that note, the stomping and clapping and body percussion definitely adds a huge aspect to the group's choreography and visual effectiveness. And I feel like stomping, clapping, etc., it's not really done a lot, and so anytime a group adds it into their set, it's just really cool and fresh. So I love that aspect, but please do it in a different song. <laughs> Bottom of the River is an amazing song, but at this point, every single version that I've heard has been completely the same. I don't know, I feel like it detracts from your group's ability to perform a competitive set if you're just doing a song that is predictable. All that being said, here's an incredible version of my vocal rush. You'll probably remember them on Sing Off on season four, I believe. Or if you're just like super into the acapella world like I am and just know a whole bunch of useless acapella information, you will remember Vocal Rush. They're an incredible high school group that is amazing every single year. So yeah, this is their version of Bonham of the River. Oh baby, it's a long way down, a long way down. If you get sleep or if you get numb. The cops gonna call in the morning, baby. Check your cupboard for your daddy's gun. again for tuning in to Notable Coverage here only on Tacapella. I'm your host Amanda Tran. If you want to talk about acapella, different covers, definitely at me on all social medias. It's at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. And welcome back to Tacapella. Hey, everybody. This is Tacapella. Emily just said that, but I'm saying it again because it makes me feel official <laughs> and important. Uh, this has been a fun episode so far. We kind of got pretty deep and even just a little dark talking about kind of the vocal performance major life and how it relates to acapella and how sometimes it can be a little soul crushing and how acapella can help us put our souls back together. That's what I would say is kind of the thesis of the first half of this mm. episode, which was really fun to talk about. We're going to shift gears a little bit 
and talk a little bit more about basic acapella, the group at Colorado State University that Emily is a part of. And I'll just give my perspective kind of coming into this really quick because I uh, was a graduate student at Colorado State, was there for two years, uh, and I went in like looking, okay, what are some groups that I want to join? Do I want to start another acapella group or do I want to join one? And the three groups on campus were uh, Basic Acapella, Main Street Acapella, and Ramblings Acapella. And they were all, they're all SATB groups. There was no groups with just tenors and basses or just soprano altos. And I think that is such a weird but also kind of fascinating acapella landscape because i think so often groups define themselves by their gender makeup or by the certain kind of rep they do that's specific to their gender makeup or their voice parts so i'm really curious emily what's it like being one of three satb groups on campus and then what do you do to kind of make yourself stand out from the rest besides just the colors because you guys are blue and the others are red and green and i I remember that part right (laughs) um Yeah, I think one of the things that is really unique about BASIC is that I think we're smaller, other than Mountain Horns, I think, well, I don't know how many people are in Mountain Horns, but... uh, 14, yeah. Well, we have 13, so we are smaller than them. How many do you have? Yeah. Okay. I felt like I'm being asked, like, how many children do you have? And I'm like, I know it. I swear. I have 13 (laughs) kids, yeah. But... (laughs) um, I think one of the cool things about it, though, is that because we are so small, it kind of... For me, what I like about that is it has a lot of like personal accountability because a lot of times there could only be, depending on how many part splits there are, one or two people on a part. Like I know we have an arrangement of this is me from The Greatest Showman and where at one point everyone is on a completely different part, which is kind of fun and it's challenging within its own right. And I appreciate that. And I also think that like all of the groups have very, very different tastes in rep, which is really interesting. Like we have a decent amount of music majors who tend to lean towards like musical theater kind of things, which I haven't, at least thus far, haven't really seen from the other groups, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you're trying to say something cool to- about about my boys. <laughs> no, I'm, ne- I'm never going to say that again. My boys, that just feels gross. Don't, li- <laughs> yeah, don't like that. Like yeah, I didn't like it either. <laughs> I don't think our listeners did either. <laughs> but but yeah, I think that that's one thing is just like the rep that we choose and I know that basic and I don't, you know, I don't know how the other groups pick their rep, but like, I know that we try really hard to like find a really healthy balance between like really well-known songs and then songs that people like don't necessarily know. And that's something that I'm really proud of with basic is that I think every semester we have one or two songs where like my friends who come to the showcase will come up to me afterwards and be like, I've never heard that song before, but that was really, really cool. And that's always like a really good feeling for me because I, I love music and I listen to so much music and I like to expand other people's tastes in music too. Wow. And I'm sorry if you've asked, uh, if you mentioned this earlier, but how long has basic been in existence on campus? Um, I think it's been seven years. I think this is the six, sixth or seventh year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Exactly. Okay. They're pretty. Okay. I was just, I was just curious because you were, you were saying that you guys, you know, got to the point already when you're just like, okay, we should really branch out and do all of these different kind of styles, or at least be open to it when that takes so much longer than people think, you know, to get on that same mm-hmm. page on something like that. For us, it, it took us forever uh, to do that. And, you know, in a way I think our 
the groups that's still going are still, you know, trying to work through all of that. But it, it's it's such a tricky thing when, when you have so many varied music tastes, especially when you when you think of like the age of most of the, the people that are in college acapella groups these days. That's such a unique time for all of them and trying to discover mm-hmm. what they're about and what they're into. And just to think, hey, we got to get 12 to 15 people on the same page about what their music tastes are like. So that's something that's always been of interest to me at the end of the day. Definitely. Yeah. I think, um, I think that like I basic has been really lucky because in the three years that I've been in this group, we've had three very, very gifted music directors who are very Mm -hmm. good at getting us arrangements that play to the strengths of the group and make us excited to do those pieces, whether or not you were initially excited about the music we pick Cause I know I've been like really disappointed sometimes when we pick a song and I'm like, that's not going to be good. And then we get the arrangement and I'm like, Oh wait, I'm really excited about this because <laughs> a, my part's awesome, but B our group sounds so good singing this. And that's like a really good way to get people excited. I think. Yeah. And how, how is the music uh, selection process for you all? Does it just simply fall in the hands of the music director? or Do you all hold like a listening session at all? Or what, what's the process? It's a long time to get to this process because for a really long time it was just kind of a big mess because we really want everyone to be able to give their input into what we're choosing to sing like that's a big thing that's really important to us and before we would just sit in a room and everyone would just shout out songs and we'd be there for like six hours oh my gosh it was just like absolutely brutal because we'd get nowhere and a lot of times we'd get to the end and we'd be like none of this is a cohesive set mm-hmm. like this is balanced at all so now we kind of break it down and what we've been trying to do is like have everyone send out their ideas before the day we decide to sit down so everyone can listen to them and then when we get there we make we divide everything into three categories so we have like bop and then we have like middle of the road so it's not really like a ballad but it's not a bop and then we have ballads and so we divide them into those categories before we start voting on them because we would run into this problem where we would pick, I don't know, maybe 12 songs and we get to the end and we'd be like, literally nine of these are ballads and that's not a set list. <laughs> I think that's a common problem for most groups. Yeah. I think that's how I typically fall. I saw a whole yeah. concert one time that was a great group, all ballads. And then we were kind of like, Ooh. maybe the last one I think was upbeat. And then we were all kind of like, I came out of that concert trying to rationalize that I liked it because I could tell it was all like, con- <laughs> like from a like, my consciously, I could tell it was like very good. Like all the songs were really well done, but just from like a visceral kind of subconscious level, just like immediate gut reaction. I was like, well, I just heard the same. They were singing in the same style over and over. So then it wasn't as impressive when they like, okay, well they nailed that ballad. That's cool. Well, they nailed that ballad too. And then all of a sudden you start feeling like, oh, is this just their shtick? But if you kind of push them to different areas, then the group's also gonna, what well, one, it's gonna be a more entertaining set, but the group's also going to grow as musicians and singers. And then when you try to do something really varied the next semester, they're gonna have some foundations that you built the first semester to draw upon. Right, I agree. Because like you can do an entire concert of ballads like absolutely immaculately and they can be so good. And the audience will out of there and probably the group will walk out of there and, and be like i don't i don't know like mm-hmm. it was good but like the audience you know as from a group standpoint they probably don't really feel that much energy from the audience and the audience is okay that they were good <laughs> but like this wasn't like i'm not hyped do you know what i mean it's the difference yeah. between like being enjoying something and being entertained that's something we sometimes talk about like in movies like the movie roma which i love but it's not a movie you go in and like i am like entertained by it I'm it's more like an experience Mm -hmm. I definitely think there's a difference between like 
enjoying something and being entertained by it. And I think both can coexist and both can also exist independently. Yeah, definitely. Like I've definitely like not necessarily seen performances, but I've watched movies and TV shows and like seen things that I've been like, I guess that was entertaining. But when I get down to it, it wasn't that good. And I don't really like it that much. But it kept me like distracted and amused for the entire time. Or like the opposite where something is like so heavy and well done that it's not necessarily like palatable like i don't know i've seen some movies that like i don't know why are there like super intense like war movies when that stuff is just not necessarily like enjoyable to watch because people are looking for it to be entertained in like a certain way like i go into movies sometimes expecting to be entertained enjoy or both where like with a brutal war movie or something like that like fury or whatever like i am entertained more than i'm like wow i had such a good time i'm more like i had an important time or i had a good time rather right. than like a fun time. And I think with acapella groups, it's different because we have the ability to do both very easily because we're literally putting together the set list. I went to that concert with all those ballads and I was definitely entertained. Like this was good, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it because as a whole, the package was not, it, it didn't bounce around. It didn't have any flow to it. And it just felt kind of like it dragged. Whereas sometimes that might be what someone's going for and they're doing it well. But what generally we, with acapella, we have the ability to push our groups in so many different directions to present a very eclectic set that's going to entertain and the audience is going to both enjoy and be entertained by. Right. Yeah. And it can super go the opposite direction too, right? Like if you did an entire concert full of, I'm going to use my own terminology, full of bops, I've never it can heard be like, bop. No one, over- no one, at, when I was at CSU, I never heard the term bop. I heard uh, banger and slapper. Oh, I'm sorry for you. One time I was trying banger, to. Banger, banger is another one. We usually either call them bangers or bops. I was trying to like, first <laughs> semester mountain horns. They were like, John, we need a banger. And I was like, what did you just say? Like, I don't know what you're trying to communicate. They're like, you know, like a slapper. And I'm like, nope, don't know what you're telling me right now. I no remember joke. the first day some little kid came up to me and was like, this song slaps. And I was like, oh I am gosh. too old. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I think the first time I ever heard Bop was because I was browsing Twitter and I saw someone use it. And it? I had to go look it up on Urban Dictionary or something. You've heard, okay, I've never heard like it before this... now, Brian. So you're, and so you're hey. clearly younger than me at heart. Or at least you're much more with it. Clearly, but uh, I still got so much more to more to learn, apparently. <laughs> but but just to kind of get on the page, what you guys are talking about, this whole idea of uh, kind of entertainment versus, you know, kind of art and things of that nature. It's it's so tough, but it's more I'm hearing more groups discuss these days just because as much as it's important about song selection, it also comes down to the intent of the arranger these days, because I think that so many really good arrangers are taking really well-known upbeat songs that, you know, if you listen to the original track, you know, you know, it's a banger, it's a bop, it's 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 something that's going to set the room on fire at the end of the day. But so much of our current genre is, OK, I have to make this so emotionally moving and yeah. so impactful that it I have to change it up. And I think where you get into trouble is if you have too many of those in a performance, I mean, in a kind of an end of a set list at the end of the day, whereas the audience, they need that that break. They need that rest from that. They need those upbeats. They need those mm-hmm. emotionally moving. And then they need something to catch their breath and be like, oh, okay, I can palette all of this. I can I can take it all in. And then it makes sense. You know, it's not just about the, the air. It's about the feelings as well as the about what you're thinking mentally as well. So totally. It's, it's such a struggle. Definitely. And this is something that is like kind of talked about in movies a lot on Honestly, like The Dark Knight, favorite movie of all time. But then, and that movie is 
intense and it makes you think and sometimes it's a little too much but they use humor in a very effective way not just because they're like we need a joke but they don't do it because they're trying to be a funny movie they're trying to do it because the audience needs reprieves you need to like you can't mm-hmm. just like shove like a whole essay in front. like that movie is basically like a giant essay about like choice and life and uh reality and whatnot and it's so good but audiences don't necessarily want to consume that all in one heavy sitting and when we have these lighter things like we did in mountain Hearts, we did come go with me they're like dum 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 be doo be dum like that song is so simple and it is mm-hmm. but it was the one that usually got like a huge reaction from the audience because it was because people know it people could sing along and because they were like oh i understand this whereas sometimes if you do something heavier like a ballad or even just like more rhythmically or harmonically intense that might be more satisfying for you but it might if you do the whole concert like that that might not play super well to the audience because we're kind of defined by our audiences right like mountain horns i felt had like a really solid first year because i felt we had good engagement from the community whereas had we just been in our own little bubble then i wouldn't consider that a success and i think that's what acapella groups kind of define themselves on is how they relate to the community and their importance in the greater kind of cultural landscape they're entering and playing to your audience and using bops or whatever we're calling them now is is an important part of that (laughs) yeah I think that like structuring your set is so important because we've mm-hmm. done for the last couple of semesters, we've done praying by Kesha, which is such an emotionally intense song. And it's draining. I know it's draining for the group. We get done and we're all kind of like, Oh my God, like, because it's just so emotional. And I know I can tell cause looking out in the audience, they feel that way too. And I think almost every time we do that piece, we follow it with this is me from the greatest showman, because that is such an mm-hmm. uplifting piece. Mm-hmm. And it's so important to think about the emotions that your pieces are conveying, because you want the audience. I think you want the audience to leave on a good note, right? Like I would never close a show with praying. Yeah. Everyone would leave crying. And like, to me, that's not the intention of putting on a showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the goal should be to always have the audience leave on your side at the end of the day i think at the end of the day you don't want them walking out thinking okay what that was what good but happened? i'm gonna go cry into my expecting? pillow about my wife or something <laughs> right. exactly i'm like they they were singing but i didn't really understand it because i've heard that from a few i've tried showing people a few pieces and letting them listen to a few tracks and you know as amazing and as eclectic and as as so high level as it was it didn't register with them because you know what they weren't part of that inner circle and which is why I think both of you mentioned playing to your audience. You can do certain songs with a group of like, you know, at an acapalooza where it's nothing but acapella fans. Whereas if you go to, you know, a private gig, you know, like a wedding or whatever, they're probably just going to hear, you know, the popular tracks or the old school hits and done in a very simplistic fashion. So there's so much thinking that has to go into into this at the end of the day or else, you know, you're just going to leave the audience with more questions than actual feelings and, yeah. you know, having them connect with what you're what you're doing because i think we're when you have movies you can challenge the audience to you know think at the end of the day and just really like go away with questions on what who what did they mean this and there i think there can be a lot of interpretation whereas music i think for me personally it's about the feeling you know did you establish that feeling that they feel something totally to just do one more movie reference i promise i'm done after this <laughs> both of you know this like and just how i sure i just music keep podcast. talking about movies um the movie and I talked about this I'm talking about this because it mirrored exactly what happened in an acapella rehearsal the movie Sing Street it's amazing it's by the guy who did once oh, have you seen Sing Street one. have you seen Sing Street I love it's that it's such I a good movie it's so one of my favorite parts of it one. 
is when it's like the it's the final like concert and they're performing for their school mm-hmm. and they do this piece they do and the guy the the lead singer decide has a ballad he wants to perform and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and it's called on my way to find you or to find you or something <sighs> like that it's yeah. beautiful and it's this piano piece and everyone's like no dude you can't play like an emo-, like all his friends are like dude you can't play that emotional sappy piece like everyone's just going to think it's lame and they play it and it's like done so beautifully and i felt so emotional but then everyone's like mm, yeah that was awkward that was lame and they just keep moving on <laughs> like the movie shows us how great it is but they also simultaneously show us that like yeah no one liked that because they just thought it was awkward yeah. get to the fun piece and that's something one you don't see in movies that much where they show you something and then they undermine themselves to make a point but i did mm. i was like this is a great song for mountain horns to do so i brought it and they were all I, they were all like no nah, this is too this is too lame and they're like yeah it's a good song but it's too boring <laughs> oh, and it's just we, we just can't do it and it was the exact same thing that happened in the movie maybe it's just an issue with the song but i think there is it's it it's relevant in how we're talking about audience intent versus group intent versus enjoyment versus entertainment and it was really funny to see my group mirror an exact scene of a movie with me being the guy being laughed at in in a good way in a wholesome <laughs> healthy way i think i can remember at least 10 or 12 different times when i've had like what i thought would be a great idea for a group song i'm just like i saw like a, a song in a movie i actually i can relate i think there's been multiple song and movies i want to bring to the group and i start arranging it and then i go in rehearsal i'm like no nah, i'm not going to bring that to you guys so i'm like i know you won't buy it so <laughs> i can relate i remember the first year i was in basic we so when we were voting on songs we picked Superpower by Beyonce and Frank Ocean, which is an awesome song that I love. And I remember our music director started arranging it and he came back to the group and he went, you guys, we literally can't do this Mm. because everyone just sings the same thing for the entire song and none of it is interesting and it sucks in acapella. And that's like so important because I find myself falling into that trap of like, oh my God, I love this song so much, so we have to do it. And then it's like, this doesn't work. Yeah, the translation. And then just that that's just one more of the key part that comes in in trying to choose repertoire for groups. There's, I mean, there's so many factors we've just gone over today. Audience in uh, like what's best, like one thing that we also need to think of is like what's best for your group at that point. Not just in like, oh, let's do this song that is high Mm -hmm. falsettist because like we have people who have a really good falsetto, but like what does your group need to grow? This is something that's very like intrinsic to choir in that we're not just picking songs because oh that's good we're picking songs so people will learn things and they will grow as musicians i know uh the mm-hmm. first song and i've talked about this before the first song we ever did in mountain horns was interlude one by alche and that is that was the audition song they learned a chunk of it and it is all homophonic meaning they're all singing the same rhythm at the same time and that was super important for us to do because in our first year as a group this is the first time these people have sung together i wanted to make sure we could establish our group sound super well and doing a piece where we're all singing together most of the time we don't have to really worry about rhythm we just le- worry about blending with each other and working on that that gave us a good foundation to then second semester do some stuff that was rhythmically a little weirder and that's that's important i think for us to just remember in this whole conversation of i mean it's all these things you have to consider and some songs are going to be like this is what the group needs right now other songs are going to be like we just need to like get the audience to stay an extra 10 minutes so we're going to do come go or we're going to do something really silly or really simple and i think it's just a juggling act that we all have to do but it's one that's like super satisfying when you nail it right when when you're like mm, the audience like this they thought that was okay but we loved that brian kirkness talked about this on his episode about duality about work stuff for the audience versus stuff for you um versus stuff for like everybody and it's it's really fun to kind of explore this and find out what's going to be the best manifestation 
of your group that semester through that repertoire. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think too, like one of the biggest things is also being flexible with the idea that like, oh, we did this song this semester and it was really, really good. And then like in a collegiate group, you know, we have people graduating or dropping the group like every semester because it's either like, oh my God, I'm literally taking 21 credits and I can't even eat or like I'm graduating and so I'm leaving goodbye. And so you know, sometimes we'll bring back songs and we'll be like, this was so good last semester. We want to put it in our show again this semester. And it just like flops. It completely Mm -hmm. flops and doesn't have the same effect that it did before. And I think it's really important to like be self-aware enough to acknowledge Mm -hmm. those things when like this song used to work and now it doesn't for one reason or another. And we need to just move on and find something that does. Totally. Instead of getting stuck in that. This is how it was, though. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it and it's similar for me when I'm uh, also related to work, because I think of at work, I've always thought a lot about team morale and, uh, you know, how to boost it and how to have engaged employees in that same sense of what, John, you were referring to earlier about, you know, what's best for your group at this time. I think back to my group and the first three years was a were very what I consider very simple time. <laughs> Just because we were doing things, you know, it's not that we didn't have challenge in music. It's just that, you know, we were just kind of getting by at the end of the day and think life was good. And sometimes that's the right thing for a group. That's what you need to do. And it's really easy for people to kind of have big heads about and be like, well, you should be doing like exquisite arranged stuff. It's like, no, you need to do what's best for your group right then. And if getting by is your Mm like 110 percent, that's fine. Yeah, and exactly. I'm like, it worked for us at the beginning because we were still trying to develop who we were as a group. We were start still trying to develop our identity. Mm-hmm. But then we got to that fourth year, which were for a lot of us, that was our final year because we are seniors that year. And you're we like, hey, it's time to really step it up. Let's challenge ourselves. And I remember we, uh, my roommate, which was the guy who co-founded the group with me, he did a, a, a arrangement of Groove for Thoughts arrangement of And So It Goes by Billy mm. Joel. And that was by far like the most complex piece we had ever attempted before super jazzy complex course that we've never even attempted in our group but you know what we spent so much time learning it and working on it and it paid off for us as a show because not only did the audience enjoy it it made us feel a sense of accomplishment at the end i'm like hey we can actually progress into something bigger and better than what we were expecting totally we gotta take one more short break we're gonna pass it on over to lisa hawkins with her segment called asking for directions and then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins and welcome to Tacapella's mini segment, Asking for Directions. So I've talked a lot about community and how important it is when creating a successful group. And we've dove into some of the nitty gritty stuff. So today I wanna talk to you about something that's a little bit more lighter and fun. So I'm gonna share with you some of my favorite bonding activities I like to do with groups. So one of my favorites is called the I where everyone sits in a circle and one person is in the middle and faces a particular person in the circle. The person they're facing has to say something they like about that person. And when they're done, the person in the middle turns to the next person and continues until he's heard something nice from everyone in the circle. This is a super great game to play at like a end of the year or semester shindig when you're wrapping things up because it just lets everyone know that you're appreciated and that Um, everyone's being acknowledged for their good qualities. It's one of those good activities that kind of leaves everyone a little warm and fuzzy on the inside. And sometimes you're really surprised at what people say. The only thing about this one is that it can get really long because people usually have a lot of things to say. So it might be difficult if you have a particularly large group, but nonetheless, it's one that I highly recommend. Another great one is something that I, I call the dream basket. So 
how this one works is again everyone sits in a circle and you or whoever the leader is whoever's being in charge will ask everyone what their goal is for the next year or coming months or whatever really timeline that you decide i suggest really no shorter than a semester or so uh, and the reason for that is you kind of want to give them enough time to accomplish um something that of significance that's new for them uh, and i've heard a lot of cool answers like I've heard I want to run a marathon by the end of the year or that I want to challenge myself to be in a school play and I've never really uh, done theater before. It can really be whatever you want, just something significant enough that uh, would make someone feel accomplished or that they've hit a milestone. So then after everyone's kind of gone around and said what their goals are, you all write it down on a little piece of paper and put it in a hat or a basket or whatever, shuffle it around, and then everyone draws a piece of paper out. So whosoever goal that you drew from the hat, you are now responsible for helping that person achieve that goal. So like if you drew a paper that said, I want to run a marathon, then maybe you can go on runs with them or eat healthy with them. Or if you drew the one, the guy who wants to be in the school play, maybe you can help him pick an audition monologue, help him prepare for it. And everyone's is going to be different, but you can kind of work together to think of a way where you can both be involved. But this is one where you can get creative and it's such a cool activity that can last kind of like throughout the semester or the year. And there's really something cool about helping someone achieve their goal and having someone that's responsible for yours. It's It really does create like a bonding thing. So when I did this, my goal was by this time next year, I want to be in a professional acapella group. So the person who drew my paper helped me look for like upcoming auditions. And sure enough, within a couple of months, I was accepted into Cape Harmony and I was uh, going to Cape Cod to do some acapella shows in the summer. So it was it was a pretty cool moment when I rushed up to her and I told her that I I got in. So um, I can really, really create an awesome experience. So you can play this a number of different ways too. You can also write your goal on the piece of paper first, and then you can go around and talk about it as you draw a piece of paper. But the idea is the same. So you can do this activity at basically any time of year. I played it a little later in the year, and I feel like it worked a, It worked really well because everyone knew each other fairly well, so it was you know, much less likely that someone was going to ignore or blow it off. Because I don't know, sometimes if things are awkward, people tend to, you know, pull back. So be strategic about when you do this activity. So those are just a couple of my favorite activities to play with groups. There's a lot more where that came from. um, And maybe I'll talk about some more later in the year. If you want some more ideas or have any questions, you can always reach out. My Insta is lisa.yoda, or you can find me um, under Lisa Hawkins on Facebook. So thanks for joining me this week, and stay tuned for more leadership tips on next week's Asking for Directions. And we're back on Talk of Pella. We've been having quite the conversation today with Emily Gaiman. We've been talking so much about vocal performance, um, just that major, all the things that involve and correlate with acapella, as well as, you know, kind of the, the group feel, the group dynamic, you know, what Emily's, how her group is made up and, you know, how we can kind of find that fusion between song selection, finding what's right for the audience as well as finding what's best for your group at the end of the day. So thank you so much, Emily, for yeah. taking us on this wonderful ride. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, of course. Glad to do it. Yeah. So one last thing that we always like to do with our guests is we would like to instill some advice upon our listeners. And we always ask our guests what piece of advice would they give to the general acapella audience out there? So whether it be for directors, whether it be for 
or you know people starting a group people just getting into group if you could offer them any piece of advice uh, based on anything we talked about or things that have come to mind what would you tell them yeah I think that like we live in this era of auto-tune and post-production where we always see these perfect finished products and I think my advice is like don't get obsessed with perfection and to be flexible because you don't need to have all the right answers all the time sometimes you do songs that just don't work and sometimes you do songs that really really do and it's important to celebrate the victories and learn from the failures but don't destroy yourselves over the failures because at the end of the day it's about being with a group of people that you love doing music that you love (laughs) well said like yeah, man. borderline therapeutic. Now, really, you know, it'd be a great on uh, commonly on anime. They will take uh, chunks from this. This relates. I promise they take like chunks from old episodes or like are they, you know, they just on Seinfeld. They'll do like a clip show of like favorite moments from old episodes. And I could do that with every person's piece of advice for all of Takapella be like exclusive 80th episode. And then it's just people giving advice <laughs> for an hour actually that could be kind of cool i'm going to seriously consider this okay i would listen to that not gonna lie <laughs> and then emily uh if people want to get a hold of you see what you're all about follow you on twitter or on instagram or see what your group's about how could they do that well you can follow uh basic acapella on instagram and facebook it's just at basic acapella again i know we said it earlier but it's b-a-s-s-i-c acapella and if you want to get a hold of me you can find my instagram you sure there's not a k in there i'm positive but you know I could double check (laughs) and if you want to get a hold of me my Instagram is uh, mgaman so that's E-M-G-E-H-M-A-N boom Brian where can we find you man Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex Brian with an I and as always go follow all the different channels on Twitter Facebook and Instagram for college acapella awesome and you can find me in the same place in this basement recording it's actually a really like this is a really nice basement at the Acaville headquarters every time I'm talking about a basement it's really nice uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Lampus and you can find me on the a little anarchy movie podcast page again we have made a big jump here at Tacapella. we are no longer just airing on Acaville but we are bringing Acaville to you we are on itunes we are working on getting on spotify and stitcher and iHeartRadio because that's a i guess that's a that's a thing we want to be on and <laughs> we're looking for more guests we're looking for more segment hosts we're this is episode 77 right now and we're just going to try and keep getting bigger and better so let us know what do you think of these episodes what we what we talked about today if you want to be on a show if you want to be a segment host and how you can get involved uh with the with the Tacapella family here so that's going to wrap it up today emily thanks so much for coming on again and everybody for everything acapella please stay tuned